With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour is underway. It's Thursday, April 6th. The Flames are still alive and kicking. We welcome you to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Save. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit Calgary Lock and Save. Com. Ryan Pike will join us a little bit later on this hour. Lots to dive into with him. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. And Flames Talks available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. But yes, the Flames are still alive and kicking. And let's go inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Usually on a Friday, but... Uh, uh, this Thursday, it's time for Eric Francis. Fridays is sports. That's Eric Francis joins us. It is Easter weekend. So, so yeah, of course, let's uh, make the pivot and do it a day earlier. That's what we do for Eric Francis, who joins us right now. Hello, franchise. How are you, my man? I'm well. And you? I'm excellent. Excellent. You know what? This is fun. I mean. It's better than the alternative, hey? It's better than the alternative. Who knows how it's going to end? It's, you know, obviously the odds are stacked against them completing this improbable journey, but give them credit. You know what? This, uh, they've had some punches in the mouth that a lot of teams wouldn't have recovered from and stayed in this fight. And uh, I, got, I don't know what it means moving forward for next year, uh, but the fact that they've shown so much character and resilience, like over the last month, uh, I, you know, again, I don't, I'm not really sure. I was thinking about it today. Like, does this mean moving forward next year that people should be more optimistic? Uh, I don't know if we're going to have a whole radically new team next year. There's so many questions <laughs> moving forward. But for now, let's just enjoy it while it's lasting because it is kind of fun. That's the best word for it, man. Like, they, they, the R word, resiliency. They, they have been more resilient than I think any of us would have given him credit for. And how many times in the last month have you sat there and wondered if that was the final blow, if they're just going to roll over and that's going to be it, whether it was the debacle in LA or that loss to Vegas when they were six back or the Chicago loss that we just witnessed on Tuesday and probably a few other times that you could say, is that it? Is that going to be all that this team has has battled through and all of the, the stuff, all the BS that they've, you know, some of it self-inflicted that they've had to deal with this year, is that going to finally be the blow that knocks them down? They're not going to get up off the mat. And then they go into Winnipeg on Wednesday and they do it again with a dynamite effort against the Jets, an opportunity for Winnipeg to put the Flames away and the Flames wouldn't let them. And, and I think a, a texter wrote earlier, I'd much rather them play meaningful games until the end and miss, then I would have them prove to us that they can't be resilient. And maybe they don't get in, but at the very least, I'm with you. They've shown that they are not, like this is this is a team that is going to take more than a couple of punches to the jaw to put them down permanently. I, I give them a lot of credit for it, man. And I, I don't know if I expected it as many times as we've seen it. You know, I, I was looking into the numbers today because I wrote a column just on how, you know, 
how much we should just give them credit for, for what they've been doing of late. So it was a month ago, they were seven out. And since that time, this team has gone 10, four and two. Yet, I don't think people realize how good a record it's been over the last month because it's been dotted with those massive punches to the gut. You mentioned the LA loss, eight to two. I was there. I was there in LA when it happened. It just felt like the bottom had completely fallen out. And then there's the losses to Anaheim and Chicago. Then there was an overtime loss while we were in Arizona. Uh, another overtime loss against Dallas. Like I, it's funny how I remember all these because they all seem like at various times maybe that was the the final knock to the mat and could they get up yet through it all 10-4 and 2 is pretty incredible down the stretch run and again you know what they've had an easier schedule that's another question that I keep asking myself through all this okay so they've they've really battled hard they've won some you know a couple comebacks in the third period last night it was tied going into the third was it does it all mean a whole lot when really a lot of these opponents are bottom feeders um you know, and I'm including Winnipeg in that group because it's not, you know, it's not a proven playoff team yet. So no, nope, sure aren't. Who know? Who knows if 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 any of this would translate into any sort of success in a first round matchup? I'm not saying they couldn't do it. I'm just saying you may it makes you wonder because they're not playing great teams right now, and they're really struggling to beat them. But they are beating them, and that's the bottom line. You can't pick your opponent. All you could do is pick the outcome, and and they're picking the right one more often than not. They are, and and as you said. It might not be enough. We don't know. They don't control it anymore because of that loss to Chicago. Um, that being said, how are you feeling? Whereas, you know, some of the projection models have them straddling around 30% for their playoff chances. But what about mm-hmm. the what about the Eric Francis playoff model based solely on your gut feeling? What uh, oh what are you thinking? Well, I, I, I you know, it's, it's boiled down, I think, pretty simply as, you know, they've got to win all three. They likely have to win all three and hope Winnipeg loses two of their four. It's imminently possible, but you know I don't have a model. I'm not good with numbers. All I can tell you is that you know every single day, like tomorrow is going to be another fast or Saturday, sorry, is going to be another fascinating day to see what Winnipeg does and also what Calgary does in the same day. And at the end of that day, we may go, oh well, it was a good run, good on them for sticking with it, or we may look at it and go. Holy cow, they're that much closer to making this a possibility. I don't know. It's fascinating, and I can't wait for Saturday already. I, how, uh, how concerned about Saturday are you? Because I'm, uh, I'm slightly concerned, and I'll tell you why. I know how uh, much Canucks fans, I know how yep. much Canucks players were upset about the way Friday ended. They hated that penalty call that eventually led to Jonathan Huberto's game-tying goal, and who knows, maybe the Flames still tie it if that goal doesn't, uh, if that, that call doesn't get made, but the Canucks were sour. They felt like they should have won that hockey game, even though the Flames dominated them in the third and for most of the second period. But I, I, I am a little concerned about that game because it feels like that'll be the Canucks season. Like, that'll be them. Okay, this is our last stand. We're not going, but we want to go out there and play the game of our year and stick it to one of our top rivals. And that worries me a little bit. Yeah, I would say that that's the toughest of the three games. Now, don't get me wrong. The Flames have a a knack for making every game really, really tough, no matter how bad their opponent is. Uh, But I have to tell you that uh, that is the one game that I worry about the most. I was surprised. 
uh, pleasantly surprised, you know, on behalf of, of the city that they managed to leave Vancouver with a win. And yeah, it was, it was controversial though, that penalty call, but at the end of the day, they won. They've been on the short end of some of those penalty calls too this year. So it all evens out, I think. And Vancouver's playing damn good hockey of late. And, uh, and, and I would just think that we're only a couple of years removed from, we forget now because the Oilers are our chief rival once again, but prior to that, what, two, three years ago, for the previous, what, 15 years, 20 years, the number one rival this organization's had are the Vancouver Canucks. People in Vancouver hate the Flames more than any team in the National Hockey League. And I would dare say if you think back to two or three years ago, it would be, uh, you know, same in Calgary. They hated the Canucks. So they would love nothing more than to derail the Calgary Flames' playoff hopes because, let's be honest, Calgary has derailed Vancouver's playoff fate many, many times over the years, beating them in all sorts of different series. So I think that not that any of those players played on those teams, but I think the history of this, uh, this little rivalry is something that the players are well aware of. And I know in Vancouver, they'd love to just crush the flames. Absolutely. Uh, Francis with us. It's Eric Francis Fridays on a Thursday. Uh, flames talk is well underway this hour. You know, you talk about resiliency. Was, was there anybody that kind of embodied that more than Jacob Markstrom in Winnipeg? Cause that was, of, of all the circumstances, he probably had the toughest circumstances, and he had the night he had against Chicago. He goes in there and puts up a number one star performance. Like, the Flames dug deep, and Jacob Markstrom dug deep against the Jets. And again, it's a one-night thing, but I, I do tip my hat to him as well. And he's part of the reason why they are where they are, but at the same time, when they needed him the most, he was there. Yeah, yeah, full marks for the way he played. He was definitely the best player on the ice the other night, and they're going to need him to be <laughs> probably one of the top three stars each of the next three games if they're going to complete this uh, complete this run and stay in this race. I, I, I give him. I thought it was interesting what he said after the game, and we all saw the quote where he said, "You know what? I was still pissed off from the night before against Chicago." And obviously, a lot of the guys went into that game still pissed off, but they did a good job putting it aside, parking it. And I guess in his case, he said he used it as fuel. And you could see him out there. There were a couple of scrums where he was laying the blocker on guys. He was not happy all night long. He was feisty. And then we saw the exchange with Pierre-Luc uh, Dubois, Dubois, where he got the unsportsmanlike penalty call, squirted water at him. You know, he was running hot last night. And maybe we need to see more of that. I don't know. You and I have had the discussion about Markstrom and how I think goaltenders generally, generally – any sign of emotion is a bad thing. I, I think goaltenders, not that it's easy to do, but the, the 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 least amount of emotion you could show, the better, right? You don't want to show sadness, frustration in front of your teammates. You don't want to show the other team that you're frustrated or, or disappointed. You just got to be stoic. And uh, he hasn't done a very good job with that this year, but last night he used it to his advantage for sure. Well, and I do, I do think – that when talking about Jacob, and I'm curious as to how you see this, if you see it the same way, but I do think when talking about Jacob, he's one of those guys where that emotion and the competitive level and just how much he expects from himself is his best trait. And I also think it can be a double-edged sword and can be one of the things that holds him back at times or can be a hurdle for him at times. Like I don't think he's where he is in his NHL career without those traits, 
And I also think sometimes, especially this year, that part of his makeup has also been difficult for him or, or made it more difficult for him to get out of a, a prolonged slump or a prolonged funk. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And that's kind of what I was talking about, too. I mean, it's uh, it, it's something that's really hampered him this year. But uh, last night, it helped him. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's been, hey, when you're a goalie, you're in the spotlight every single game. Uh, one year ago, he was the second best goalie in the world. This year, he's, you know, <laughs> we, we've talked about the rankings. It's not very high. So uh, good on him. In the last month, he's a big part of why they're 10-4-2 over their last stretch. And now, it's got, like, if they want to make it, he's going to have to be A-game Markstrom. And if they want to make any noise in the playoffs, he's going to have to remain A-game Markstrom if they get there. Like, it, what we saw against Winnipeg has got to be the norm from now until the end of their season, whenever that is, or else they're not going to make it. He's got, there's no more runway for him, team, Markstrom, however you want to look at it. There's, there's no more runway for those steps back. It's, it's got to be that for the rest of the year. Yeah, which is a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, but that's what this whole team is facing right now. And for the most part, they've handled that pressure quite well. Again, everyone's talking about the Chicago loss, and it was an egregious mistake. It was a bad night, and uh, there were some particularly bad performances in that game, which I think we're all aware of. But, uh, you know, they've still won five of their last six, and uh, and, and that's that's a huge accomplishment, and, and Markstrom has been that backbone throughout. Uh, okay, a few more, Francis. Eric Francis with us on Francis Fridays on a Thursday here on Flames Talk. He's joining us inside hockey, and he's uh, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. What um, what's your uh, what's your feel on this Walker Dewar young man? He just continues to impress, eh? Such a great story, and and as part of that, everyone, I think the fans love him because it's pretty clear he's such a great dude, right? He's just such a he's just happy to be here. Uh, he's just a hard-working guy, gets pucks to the net. It sounds like a, an old Kenny Reed cliche, but just pucks in deep and uh, chase the puck and then get that puck towards the net as soon as you can. And he's, he's amazing at it. And, uh, I mean, those numbers are pretty spectacular for a guy who, you know, only has, what, 23, 24 games under his belt, seven goals, uh, some real timely ones too. And uh, that fourth line was a big difference maker last night in a really tight game. They're not going to be a difference maker often. But they were last night, so yeah, it'll be interesting to me this summer. He needs a contract, and he's an RFA. I mean, he's going to be back in Calgary next year, no question. But the question is, you know, what do the Flames do with him? And I, and I know it depends largely on who the GM is and and all these other questions. But you know, do you want to try and sign this guy long term and keep his uh, AAV down, or do you want to? Uh, are you just going to go year to year and just kind of see where it goes? And then, you know, when it is time to sign him eat up some of his UFA years, then maybe you're open by then you can establish, well, you know, you, you've been great, but you're, you're, you're a fourth liner. I don't know. I, I don't know which way you'd go. I don't know which way they're going to go, but I can tell you that uh, he, it, it's now pretty clear, even 24 games into his career, whatever the number is, he's got a pretty good future in the NHL, especially yep. with a coach like Daryl Sutter at the helm. And I remember writing early in the year, that uh, I'd gone to a Wranglers game and he had scored two goals. Uh, I think I think Pelche had two goals and I and I and I know Matthew Phillips had a good game. Anyway, I was writing about these three guys and now you're going to see these guys up with the big club at some point this year. And I remember a lot of people were aghast that I would include Dewar in that list. 
yes, Matthew Phillips and Pelche were amongst AHL leaders. So everyone wanted to see these guys at the NHL level, at least a snip of them. But Dewar, nobody, you know, everyone's like, what are you talking about? This guy is just, you know, I knew that this organization was so high on him because he brought some traits that even though he wasn't flashy, he had that speed and size combination that they had scouted. They had found him while looking at Connor Mackey, and uh, he really blossomed into a great player. But his numbers have never been good throughout his career. Even even his last couple of years in college, yep. they were never flashy because he was always on a really, really good team, and he just played a really, really solid role, and it was hard to be noticed on that team. Uh, so it, now we're seeing exactly why. He is just a solid role player. No one's ever going to put him in your top six. But damn, he's pretty good in the bottom six. Well, and I, I've, I've had some conversations that are very similar, and basically, like, hey, they, they were, they were there, and they, they were scouting some players, and every time they watched him, he wasn't playing a lot, but he always popped, and they're like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta get this guy on our team, and, and it, it's worked out really well for him. And it's funny you bring up the, the contract thing. Wes and I talked about this on the first hour of Flames Talk this Thursday, and I, I think. I think you want to avoid what happened with Garnet Hathaway. And by that, I mean you want to avoid the him kind of pricing himself out of their cap situation because they had an opportunity a couple of times to sign him to a longer-term deal, and instead they just gave him the one-year deal. And eventually, when he was primed to be a UFA, he was able to be courted by Washington. They gave him a great deal, four years at 1.5, and that's where he signed, and the Flames weren't in the spot where they could go that route for a fourth-line guy. Well, Dewar's two years away from free agencies, 25 years old. I would go. I would try to get him to sign a three-year deal right now. Uh, buy a year of unrestricted free agency. You might have to go a little bit higher, so maybe you're into the seven figures. I'd go three times one or three times 1.25 or something like that. This guy is a fourth liner that you win with. There aren't a lot of them out there, and even though, and maybe there's more there. But if 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 all he is, and if his ceiling is a fourth line guy that you win with, there's very few of them out there that you would be willing to sign long term. But he's one of those guys that looks like that prototypical guy. He looks very much like Garnet Hathaway did when he was here as a member of the Flames. I, I and there's not even like there's that much risk if you do it. I'd, I'd try to go three years with him, buy a, a year of UFA, and you might have to boost what you're paying him a little bit, but I don't think it's going to be so much that it really ends up uh, really ends up hurting you. I'm interested if he'd sign that. If you think you could get him for three times one million, I'm not sure he'd sign that. Uh, it's funny, I, I flew out with his agent the other day. Just We just happened to be sitting next to each other on a plane going to... Uh, I don't know, wherever the hell we were. Yeah, Vancouver. And uh, had a real interesting chat with him. And we didn't talk numbers or anything like that. But he, you know, we were both kind of talking out loud about how curious we are about where the organization wants to go with him, what they want to try and do with his uh, salary structure and his contract structure. Uh, and, and also, you know, what does he want to do? I mean, the confidence he's built this year, I'm not saying he's in a situation where he turned down three times one, or but maybe you'd have to go up to – three times 1.5 or, you know, Garnet Hathaway numbers. I don't know. You might even have to go. You, obviously, you're not going to go too, too much higher. Uh, God, we'd seen that years ago. Who did we see that with? God, Lance the guy Boma. Who got Boma, yeah, like 17 goals one year. And then he, I think he won a arbitrator's decision. And But anyway, long story short, they don't want to go that route. But I, it'll be curious. It'll be interesting. I, I, 
I don't have a feel for what the marketplace is for a guy like Dewar. I think it's harder to peg those guys maybe than some others. But I guess if you could get him for three times one, you'd do it in a heartbeat. And and maybe you might have to go higher. And I'd still think, think about doing do. that. Oh, what three times one point two five? Three times one point five? I'd I'd be I'd be willing to entertain that stuff. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Because I think even in that short sample size this year, and what you saw on the farm, you're, you're confident that the one you know, he's he's an NHLer. He's got the size and the and the stride, the speed to stay in the league for sure and at least be effective at the very least as a fourth liner. And you're right, there could be an upside. Like, who knows? We sit here and say, well, he'll never be that guy. You know, sometimes guys just figure it out as they get older, and maybe he is a 15-20 goal scorer. I I don't think so, but he's already on well past that pace right now this year. So why should we, uh, why should we suggest it's not possible? Yeah. Uh, all right, buddy. Have a good Easter weekend, hey? Enjoy yourself, and we'll see you probably early next week, hey? Thanks, my man. I appreciate it. Enjoy Saturday. It's going to be an interesting one. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks, Franchise. Good to chat with you as always. Happy Easter, pal. Enjoy the family. Happy Easter, buddy. Cheers. Eric Francis, Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca, joins us on Fridays, this week on Thursday, and he joins us inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Calangaries is the only family of product cur- products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite. NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's say hello to Pike, first of all. Pike joins us for the rest of the hour. What's up, buddy? How we doing? Uh, you know, so far so good. Uh, the It seems like we've had an interesting few days. I don't know what you're talking about. Seems like I it's mean, been it's been just a, a normal... I mean, for this year, it has been kind of normal. Ugly loss. <laughs> followed by a um, really impressive win. That's kind of on brand for this group, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, the, the same team that can lay an egg potentially against the Anaheim and Chicago's of the world can also, you know, put together efforts like we saw against Los Angeles recently and, and uh, against Winnipeg on Wednesday night. So, I mean, like you said, that's that's this year's Flames, right? It uh, kind of is exactly this year's Flames, and it has been uh, from start to finish this year. What what is this path the playoffs look like for you? I'm curious as to where you are on on how this ends up looking. So they beat the Jets, and I think like that's an impressive effort, and it keeps their season alive and puts it on a little bit more than just life support as well. It gives them a fighting chance, even though they'll still be on the back foot and the underdog. It gives them that true fighting chance. So what what does it look like for you? How do you see them getting there if that ends up happening? Well, folks, we're, we're going to try to keep the math simple because, I don't know, it's it's the day before a long weekend and no one really likes doing math to begin with. Uh, so the Flames... Except you. Ex- especially me. <laughs> uh, the Flames' magic number is four and a half or nine points. So basically, the short form is uh, the Flames need to... It has to be a combination of points gained by the Flames mm-hmm. or not gotten by the Jets of nine. So the Flames got three games left. If they win out all three... That's six out of nine points gained. 
then they'd still need Winnipeg to not get three points from one of their four remaining games. So the Flames are and are not masters of their own destiny. Uh, you know, they, they got the three games left. Uh, they got uh, a, probably what's going to be a very motivated Vancouver Canucks team on Saturday night. And then they got uh, a couple of games remaining uh, Nashville and uh, San Jose at home on Monday and Wednesday, which could be really important games. Uh, and then on the other hand, I mean, you know, if you're the Flames, you might suddenly start rooting for Nashville in that game they have against Winnipeg. And then you're hoping that Winnipeg, you know, loses another one. If, if Winnipeg goes 2-2 two and two and the Flames go 3-0, and oh, that's enough to get the Flames in. But, you know, the, the Flames can only control half of that. Well, and that's, that's kind of why I, I think it, it realistically feels like they need to win out. Even though mathematically, you're right, they don't have to win out. For everything you just laid out, it feels like winning out is is the way that they actually have a chance. And if they don't, it it worries me and it puts too much to chance and it lets the Jets off the hook. At least if you win out, it puts a ton of pressure on Winnipeg and puts them in an uncomfortable situation and maybe even puts them in a spot where their final game of the year, which happens after Calgary's final game of the year, the following day, that the Jets might be on the back foot and, you know, one or two points back and they've got to win and they've got to they've got to win on their and, and and all the pressures on their shoulders in their final game of the year. That's that's why anything less than three for three to finish out the year feels unlikely that they get in because anything less than three and zero oh, and this team's allowing the Jets to go five hundred and get in. So it, it feels and it feels like five hundred is doable. I don't know how confident I am of the Jets being above five hundred. So. I think you've got to give yourself a great chance if you go and in and you win. Especially if you look at the games remaining. I mean, here here's Winnipeg's remaining schedule. Uh, Saturday, they play a home game against Nashville. Uh, on Monday, they host the San Jose Sharks. Uh, then they head to Minnesota for the second half of back-to-back against the Wild. And in the Central, there's still probably going to be a little bit of shuffling for playoff positioning. And then, you know, uh, on Thursday, the day after the Flames' last game of the season, uh, the Winnipeg Jets go to Denver and play the Colorado Avalanche. And again, you know, the between Dallas and Minnesota and Colorado, there's still going to be some shuffling, I think, in in that division. So I think, you know, the there's going to be, you know, a desperate National Predators team trying to stay in the picture on Saturday. And then they play, let's be honest, a not very good San Jose Sharks team that's pl- trying to play spoiler. And then two tough divisional games. So if you say to me, you know, I, I I personally think that the only quote unquote gimme on the schedule for the Jets is San Jose. And then, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they go five hundred. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they go maybe less than five hundred based on the, the teams they have to play and the situations they have to play them in. But if you're the Flames, I mean, you know, you you know, you're basically in a situation where, you know, even if you know, even if the Flames went out, they still need the the Jets to you know step on a few rakes between now and the end of the season. Yeah. So what? How are you feeling optimism uh, optimism wise? What what's what's the Pike optimism meter looking like? I'd say right now it's a coin toss for me. Uh, I will say when you and I speak next week, uh, you know the, my my cop out answer is ask me after Saturday because I think for the Flames that Canucks game is going to be the toughest game of the season in terms of. 
know, how motivated Vancouver will be based on how they probably feel like that they let a game get away from them last week. Uh, you know, and historically the Flames and the Canucks just don't like each other. Like how many regular season line brawls have we seen uh, over the last decade between the Flames and anybody else? I mean, you know, th- those are just two teams that have it out for each other. And I'm sure in that building, in that locker room, they would like nothing more than to completely spoil the last week of the Flame season. So I think that'll be much like the Winnipeg game on Wednesday was, that'll be a playoff game for the Flames because of the importance to both teams. And similarly, I mean, Winnipeg, Nashville, Winnipeg wins, that might put Nashville down. If Nashville wins, that keeps them on life support and gives them a fighting chance. So depending on how those two games go and how, you know, things look as Monday morning creeps up, I think we'll have a much clearer picture of a path to playoffs to be honest, not just for the Flames and Jets, but also for Nashville. Nashville, you know, isn't exactly going away quietly, although, you know, on Thursday night they play the Carolina Hurricanes, and that on its own might be enough based on how Carolina is playing to put a significant dent in Nashville. But, you know, Nashville's, you know, they dealt out a lot of their key pieces and are still sticking around. So, I mean, you know, David Poyle's group, you got to give them a lot of credit for just, you know, how uh, how much of a, a, a thorn they've been in everybody's paw over the last month. Because, you know, most, normally teams that trade away at homes and get players without a silk, you know, just sort of pack it in. And the Predators have done anything but that. Well, and, and they, you know, if you're right now, the Jets truly do control their own destiny. Um, cause all the jets got to do is win three of their last four. They're in period. Well, at least on the flames they're in. Um, but Nashville is in this situation where they've got these head to head games against both Calgary and Winnipeg. The exact result they wanted was the, the result that happened on Wednesday, because that keeps two teams within striking distance and especially keeps the jets within striking distance. So now if you're Winnipeg, I'm sorry. Now if you're Nashville, you're like, Oh, can we split the middle here? I'm not suggesting they're going to, but if if you're the Preds, even without all the players that they, they've got right now, that you're you're thinking this thing, the world's our oyster. This thing's there for the taking for us. Yeah, and honestly, that's you know we talk about the importance of the Flames winning out just to give them breathing room on on the Jets. I mean, you know, the, the Flames elimination number on Nashville is eight points, so the Flames again need to win three. But they have one against Nashville. If you win out against Nashville and the other two teams, if you do, if you take care of your business, you're guaranteed at least finishing ahead of Nashville. And then you're just waiting on waiting and seeing what the Jets do. So Nashville is really the only team the Flames can put down on their own. They they're going to need some help from other teams to to put down the Jets. Yep. Um, and yet it sure does feel like they're going to be playing. The Flames are going to be playing meaningful games right to the end. And and maybe game 82 against San Jose doesn't mean anything. We'll see. But it feels like everything is going to be meaningful right up until the end. And they may not make it. That may not be enough. We'll see. But I'm curious how meaningful that could be to the group and just what this show of resilience means to them for next season. Some of the younger players on this team, even some of the new players on this team, what being in this fight right till the end does. I honestly don't know. I and, and I think that you could make the argument, Pike, that it could be meaningful or it could be important for next year. I, I don't know for sure, but I, it's better than the alternative, I guess. 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, this is this is a group where, you know, every other year it seems that they've had great seasons and every other year they've had adversity. And in the years where they've had adversity, I'm thinking, you know, the, that the pandemic year, the 1920 season, a lot of stuff went wrong and then there was a pandemic and they were still around it. And I think, you know, they, they, granted, they had to win the play-in series, but they were playing meaningful hockey straight through. That might be an outlier, but if you look at you know the the you know seventeen eighteen season or the fifteen sixteen season, those were years where the Flames you know things weren't going well, and it seems like they faded down the stretch, and they you know the 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 level of you know sort of battle down you know going down swinging wasn't really there this year. I mean you know Daryl Sutter made a comment uh, post game in in Winnipeg about how you know people have been saying about you know talking about how bad the Flames were. Uh, he he may or may not have name dropped the media, but. I kind of think he has a point because, you know, there has been cases where, you know, the, the Flames had some challenges. You know, they they had, you know, significant absences in terms of Oliver Shillington all season. And, you know, they they were missing significant defensemen, you know, at times between Michael Stone and Chris Tanev. And I don't think Chris Tanev has ever been fully at 100% this season. And, you know, they've had new faces. They've had tough type scoring. They've had, you know bad timing of goals against like a lot of things have conspired against the flames, some self-inflicted and some not. And in a lot of ways, they had a lot of built-in excuses to just sort of pack it in after the all-star break. But, you know, they've, they've found a way to hang around. Some of it's been aided by them being in a, you know, weaker than, than average Pacific division. There, I don't think there's a, an elite team in the Pacific right now. And I think generally in the West, it's sort of built for teams to hang around, but you know, regardless of what built-in things are happening to help them, they help themselves. They've managed to to win enough games to stick around. And, you know, I'm at, I think we're at the point now where even if, you know, game 82 comes and they're not quite in it anymore, I think you have to look at 81 meaningful games, especially given how, you know, that middle of the season unfolded and look at it as, as a positive. And, you know, hopefully something that, you know, regardless of what happens between now and the end of the season, they can learn from and take the lessons from and use it to sort of build for, you know, the next season. I uh, I want to end uh, our time together, as short as it may be, um, and, and parting is always such sweet sorrow with you. Um, I want to end it by talking, speaking of, of things that are sweet, just we haven't talked, you and I, a ton about Michael Backlund this year and the year that he's had. I mean, we've talked about him a ton over the years, and oh, we're yeah. both large fans of his. We both have an affinity for him on and off the ice, for the way he goes about his business, and for the way he plays the game. But, Pike, he just turned 34 on St. Patrick's Day. He's just played his 900th NHL game, and he's having the best season of his career. This is... This is like uh, Joe Pavelski stuff. This like you don't get. This is Mark Giordano stuff. You don't get a lot of these guys who are playing their best hockey, who have career years, and and not just by fluke, have their best seasons well, well into their career. This is not the norm, and yet here's Michael Backlund. He's doing it, and he's doing it really well. Yeah, and especially you know the role that he's playing because you know, granted, I think. The fact that he's been sort of third on the depth chart this year has helped, but I don't think he's getting easier deployments. I mean, Daryl Sutter's, you know, still using him as sort of their weapon against the best and brightest other teams. And, you know, with a rotating cast of characters on his wing, like he had, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau post-injury to sort of help him out. He's had, you know, Blake Coleman most of the year, Mangiapane some of the time, Adam Razichka. Like he's had a rotation of guys on his flanks all season. 
yet he's been sort of the, you know, that like that drinking bird. He's just sort of been, you know, a metronome, just reliable, consistent, constantly able to perform to his own expectations and to the coaching staff's expectations. And like you said, I mean, most of the time, especially in tough roles, like Mark Giordano, we talked about being kind of a unicorn where he turned 30, got a letter, and then turned into a Norris candidate every year. Backlund's been sort of in a renaissance of his own the last two seasons where he's been able to really been be used in really tough roles in terms of top penalty kill time, top, you know, tough shutdown deployments, and really be able to not only shut down the opposition and be an effective two-way player, but combine that with a, a really underrated offensive knack. So I think, you know, as much as we, you know, we sort of wave the wave the flag from, in this market from time to time for how great a flame Giordano was, and I think rightfully so. Giordano was a was an exceptional hockey player when he was here. I think that he's almost in the same conversation as as Backlund at this point because I think Backlund, between you know how much he's evolved his game over the last decade, and especially how much he's evolved his game, you know, uh, in the absence of Mark Giordano the last couple of seasons, I, I think he's taken a big step, and I think he's a big piece of why the flames are still sticking around. Well, and you take a look at his playoff performance last year and he, I, I just remember talking to him um, prior to his 900th game and, and we had that sit down with him and it was just cool to hear him talk about how he's changed his mindset over the last couple of years, how, you know, the last couple of summers, he's really gained a new appreciation for the game and, you know, how it wasn't that long ago that he and his wife, uh, Frida, were talking about, well, you know what, maybe... Maybe I just finished the, my career in Switzerland for three or four years and, you know, get that experience. And he's really grown an appreciation for being in the NHL and still being in the NHL. And he didn't know if he'd be getting to 900 or maybe 1,000 or 1,100 or however many games he ends up playing. And also the way that he took a little bit more ownership of this team and longest tenured player and already has the record for most games played by a drafted player now second or soon to be second most all time in terms of games played him taking that ownership i think has really allowed him to be more assertive on the ice as well you just you got you're you're more confident in yourself you're more confident in your role with the team, I think that it's it's natural that that also manifests itself in terms of how assertive you are as a player. And it's not like he's ever been a poorly conditioned guy. He's always been one of the best conditioned players on the team. So you, you mix all those things together. That's the recipe for how a guy who just turned 34 and just played his 900th game is playing the best hockey of his career. Yeah, and, uh, and I had a, a long chat recently about Backlund with uh, Brad True Living, and you know Brad related to me, you know, and, and you could probably, you know, you and I have probably uh, experienced the same kind of things with uh, NHLers. You know, a, a lot of players come to the NHL, and they're coming from an environment where success is goals and assists to them. Success is lighting the lamp, and when you get to the NHL, not everybody can do that. And I think you know the, the thing that Brad related to me was the, the I think the thing that's really helped Michael you know, elevate his game recently. You mentioned his mindset regarding sort of his placement uh, on the team and in the league, you know, Brad related just the idea that, you know, Michael looks at shutting down the opposition as sort of a challenge It's sort of, you know, if he, he mentioned to me, you know, Michael did that, you know, there was a stretch. He really felt his game elevated and he was becoming the player he wanted to be. When I think he, during one of the Bob Hartley seasons, he went something like 10 or 12 games without being on the ice for a goal against. And he, that was the thing he mentioned. Just that was the first thing that came to mind, being able to 
go out there against the best team, best guys in the world, best players on the other team all the time, 10 games, 12 games that a, a goal against. And I think that speaks a lot to sort of what drives him and also kind of what makes him so, so effective in his role, because, you know, even a lot of guys, even, you know, if they're not in an offensive role, you know, once they get into their late twenties, early thirties, they still look at successes, goals and assists. And I think for Michael, I think that change in mindset has really, really been a key to, to what he's doing now. If only he could be a nicer guy, you know? Yeah. Just, you know, better ambassador, do more work in the community. You know, if he'd only, if he'd only assert himself there a little bit more. No, I, yeah, uh, we, 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 we talk, we, we talk about, we talk about wanting to be a role model for, uh, for other players, both on and off the ice, I, I can think of few guys that role model the behaviors you want to see from pro players more than Backlund. What what Michael's done in the Calgary community is unbelievable. Uh, he's created things. He has uh, been, like he never says no. Like he, he's gonna he's probably he'll probably move back to Sweden when it's all said and done. I don't know, but if if he stays in Calgary, I could see him being you know. Very much like Colin Patterson or Perry Berezan or Lanny or uh, Jamie McCown or or some of the the guys that are so front and center with this alumni group. I could see Backlund being that if he decides to stay in Calgary once his career comes to an end. Be awesome. Uh, good for him. New career high in points with 54 and counting. Michael Backlund uh, picked that up on Wednesday in the win over Winnipeg. Uh, Pike, enjoy the game on Saturday, pal. It's a big one in Vancouver, and have a uh, happy Easter weekend, hey? Yeah, you too. I'll see you holiday Monday. Yeah, I'll be at practice Friday morning, but uh, yeah, I'll definitely see you Monday for sure. Yeah, go cool. see you, bud. Pike signing off, Steinberg signing off for Cam, for Taylor. That'll do it for this hour. Thanks to Eric Francis for joining us as well. That'll do it for the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a keyed alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.